0: Welcome to Creative Ops, a podcast for creative people, by creative people. I am a semi-talented musician. That's my music you're listening to right there. And I'm also a writer. Hopefully, uh, maybe I'll be telling you guys that I have a book coming out soon. We'll see. We'll see, hopefully. But you know what? It's not about me today. I have a really talented guest. Her name is Kid Kane. She's the Poet Laureate of Grand Rapids. But before I get to that... Real quick, let me tell you about the friends of the show. Rivertown Adventures goes all the way back to the first episode when I interviewed Paul Brogan. Rivertown Adventures in Lansing, Michigan is the most fun you're going to have outdoors. They have paddle boards, canoes, kayaks. I think they even have bicycles if you don't want to get on the water. You just want to ride next to it. So go check them out at RivertownAdventures.com. Rivertown Adventures. Live free. Go paddle. Baby farm soaps only on Facebook. So go on Facebook, type in baby farm soaps, and then you'll find all kinds of great stuff. Yes, soaps. And the soaps are amazing. We have a ton of it in the house because it lasts forever. (laughs) I love it. It's great stuff. But they've also got stuff for beards. They've got stuff to keep your skin nice and uh, what's the word? Moisturized. And they've got stuff to keep it protected from the sun too. Bath bombs, all kinds of cool stuff. So check them out on Facebook, Baby Farm Soaps. If you like this podcast, or you think, I don't like this podcast and I could make a better one, either way, consult Hey Guys Media Group. They're at heyguysmediagroup.com. They help people make podcasts. If you want to make a podcast, you're just not quite sure what that first step is, or the second step, or the third step, there's a lot of steps. They know them all. They can help you. heyguysmediagroup.com. Let them help you make your podcast. Okay, now let's get into it. For those of you who don't know, Kid Kane is the Poet Laureate of Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I'm just gonna read from her website here. She is a self taught, multidisciplined visual artist, arts educator, and most importantly, beacon of peace and love. For Erica Kid Kane Thompson, creativity has always been a source of joy, an origin for clarity, and a means for survival. Through childhood trauma, adulthood pain, and everything in between, each creation allows her to fill holes, to feel whole, and to feel real, and to connect with others. The kid uses self-expression to generate social dialogue about the good and bad of the human experience by exploring themes such as poverty, privilege, gentrification, resilience, and identity through community, conversation, home, installation, video, and photography. She's a very talented poet. Artist, educator, and uh, I was really excited to have her on for her talents and for her vision and for the way that she shares all of those things in a very unselfish way. Very, very interesting person, very fun to talk to, and I hope uh, you guys enjoy the conversation even half as much as I enjoyed having it. That sounds stupid. I'm leaving it in, though. <laughs> So, enjoy the conversation with uh, Kid Kane, Poet Laureate of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Some people might see that and be like, hey, that's racist and offensive. I saw that and I was like, that's hilarious.
1: Well, we, well it, people who would say that it's racist f- offensive should know what racism means. And they should also know that, uh, you know, white men have ruined lots of things. Um, yeah. And they've had their hands in the pots of ruining uh, lots and lots of things. And so for uh, one of Bill Gates' goons <laughs> to come while I'm at South Haven at the beach uh, trying to enjoy the sunset, and stand right in the way of my shot it was just <laughs> right in alignment with what white men tend to do which is uh over explain and uh be audacious as fuck i don't know <laughs> oh were you enjoying <laughs>
0: this this is mine now
1: yeah like oh you thought you were bi- you thought not only have i uh you know had a hand in enslaving your uh people redlining your communities i'm also here to let you know <laughs> that the sun is temporary <laughs> and i will block it if i want to That's right. you know what i'm saying real bill gate you know i was just literally um i had been out by the water taking some pictures and some videos and i went in the car to warm up and i was just like even though i can't be out there this is just so beautiful look at the sunset yeah it was beaming off of my face i was literally glowing and getting ready to tell my tiktok followers about how pure michigan is and a white man strolls right into the uh, (laughs) uh, the view of my shot and stands directly in front of the sun and i'm like oh there's a white man in my shot. they ruin everything oh he really blocked the sun (laughs) bill gates bill gates as fuck like i mean i don't know if people know that Bill Gates and Harvard have a, have had a plan for for many years to geoengineer and block-
0: I hear a lot of stuff about this. Rays
1: from the sun. I, I guess it's been postponed, but it was just like, uh, I, I just thought it was very interesting that a white man stood right in front of the sun as I was trying to enjoy it. <laughs> it was like Bill Gates and his gang to, <laughs> yeah. to block the sun from me. Someone who's been uh, particularly perturbed about the idea of- them geoengineering and, and controlling the, the rays of the sun for climate change. And I, you know, um, I think that there are other ways that we can, uh, it wasn't one of the things they were cultures. talking about, like
0: putting some, a certain kind of like reflective dust in the atmosphere. Yeah, it's kinda almost of like chalk
1: dust. Yeah. In the atmosphere to prevent some certain rays from, you know, hitting the earth's surface. And, you know, I think we're all depressed enough. I think we need a, all the sun that we can get.
0: Dude, we are, and I'm telling you, because we're starting to come into like some nice weather in Michigan now. But this this winter was hard, man. Like My my mental health, I've seen it take a nosedive more so this year than any other year. And all I can attribute it to is just, A, the pandemic. And then you're forced inside. You can't be outside. You can't be around the people that you want to be around. And then when you turn on the news or listen to anything, all you hear about it is just, totally fucked up social stuff all over the place.
1: That's definitely a factor uh, for sure. You know, this this is actually complete opposite for me. Uh, I set the intention last winter to never, to not have the winter blues, to not be depressed. I have an immense amount of uh, trauma and triggering things that happen during, you know, from about October to March. And this is definitely, it's definitely a time where I'm, in a dark space and I'm just like uh completely unhappy you know you can't go outside we can't visit with everyone but um I think the power of the mind and the intention that you set for yourself uh has the power to really shift the trajectory of your life if you give it the if you give it the uh, ability to do so and so last year after I was incredibly sad uh all the years prior I'm, I'm, in, I'm in my 30s so I've had uh many many years of winter blues from being you know what I'm saying a poor person Uh, Whose family didn't necessarily have all the means to give me like that fancy holiday time, you know, so just like a lot of blues, you know, a lot of loss, Um, but I said, I set the intention. For my blues, blues to be transformed, for me to enjoy a new form of blues, and something that I know for sure is that I'm—I I love Michigan. I think it's one of the most beautiful places, and I don't see myself leaving. And so I found myself trying to figure out ways to where I wasn't pissed off all winter long about the fact that it was cold outside, about the right. fact that I couldn't, you know, go out and explore and enjoy. And then I—then it dawned on me that every season is here for us to acknowledge and admire and for us to uh, breathe lean into and so this year I leaned into winter in a way that I hadn't before Um, I was outside and saying okay every time I get every time I step my pinky toe out the door I am perturbed and upset about how cold it is what can I do to transform this these moments these times you know and so I just start hanging out outside and doing all this stuff and really breathing into the frustration that I would have about being so cold.
0: And you weren't really outdoorsy much before that, outside no, of like you know, de- going on from one place to another.
1: No, but. I'm definitely outdoorsy in ter- in all the other seasons that are more palatable and more comfortable. <laughs> right. But not, in, not during the snow time. Now, I, I spend, uh, you know, most of my days outdoors. Uh, and this is a relationship that I've been cultivating with outside for about seven years now. But winter has always been excluded. It's always been this time where I'm like going to cuddle up with somebody's daughter and eat food and binge watch TV. And now I don't. And this year I decided not to do that. And so I, I did all of the things that I would typically do at the beach in a snowbank. You know what I'm saying? I took my comfortable chair outside in the middle of winter. I bundled up. I took books outside. Uh, I did stretching and Qigong. I, I wrote poems in the dead of winter. And after a while, I, I, my body stopped responding in this adverse way. And those days started feeling just like a sunny July day to me, to my brain, to my body. The sun is still there. Um, we miss it. Oh, yeah. We miss the sun because we're so perturbed by <laughs> how, how freaking cold it is. But when you lean into it and breathe into it and you uh, just spend more than five minutes outside cursing it, 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 it can be really transformative.
0: What was the thing you just called? uh, You said you do Qigong?
1: Qigong. Qigong. Yeah, well, and I may be saying that wrong, um, but it is a... uh a uh, uh, Asian practice, and um, I use it as a means to move old energy from my body and to just. Like, oh, is that
0: some myself. of the like on the videos when you're like kind of yeah. like doing the up and, down, up and down and heavy breathing, yeah,
1: like heavy breathing and uh, body movement. It, it, it clears out, you know, what I'm saying my aura, my energy field. Yeah, um, and it's something that I do as a part of my daily practice. Uh, we're always working on chi, always trying to to align and balance my energy. And yeah. so I, I I was doing that way before, and then. I brought that practice to, to the wintertime and I started hanging out outside, drinking beet juice and, you know, doing all the things that I would typically do on a sunny day in the midst of snow. And, you know, it taught me so much about myself. It taught me patience. It gave me the ability to uh, be less irritable in, in, in stressful situations. And it was really transformative. And this is the first year that I did not experience uh I, I still had struggles, but I was not depressed or blue in the way that I had been in the other years. It was it yeah. was really incredible. But
0: one thing that I found to be challenging when I lived, I haven't lived in Grand Rapids, but I used to live in um, downtown Jacksonville. And I always thought that it was kind of maybe it was because I was places where there were more parks before. But like I just felt that uh, it was really hard to get outside unless you like really set an intention that like i can just be in this tiny little park and enjoy being here but like i really crave these wide open spaces and if for someone who enjoys the outdoors as much as you do do you feel ever like living in a city puts a barrier between you and like the like true nature outdoors um
1: you know true nature is relative and you know it's all about perspective and i feel like uh all the areas of nature are worthy of our of our admiration even Mm -hmm. even in the uh, complexities in the uh, um, you know the city vibe it's still worthy of like uh acknowledgement it can it can if you sit still long enough you can find a way for it to feed you to fuel you and you know i i lived uh for a short time about six or seven months over in standale michigan um where there was there, there wasn't a lot of people there's not a lot of like city energy and it was really really calming and, and great for the space that I was in but when I was ready to be more active um moving in the in the middle of downtown and being surrounded by uh, a nature that's fast-paced and moving it was able to put me on a different onto a different frequency and so I love I find a way to find value in all the spaces, everything that's outdoors and is worthy of our acknowledgement, even if that means, you know, uh, a person on the street that's, um, <laughs> you know, belligerent and, you know, feeling some feelings or, 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 or being um, taken over by the, the, the woes of the world. Uh, if I take time to slow down enough and to um, channel uh, the energy of that expression it can teach me something about myself and so that's how i'm looking at everything but i do really 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 like to just go into the woods yeah. and you know um
0: yeah i like to go i like to just take a big bag stick a small tent and something to eat for like two days and just walk out somewhere you know what i mean
1: yeah you know i haven't you know i haven't had i don't feel uh, as privileged to be able to go out and and live that way because as a as a black person as a woman Um, you know, just that—that freedom is not something that I'm uh, necessarily afforded. I'm working to uh, reclaim that and to find spaces to where I can just go out and be that free and just say, "Hey, this is where I'm going to be," and know that everything will be fine. But you know, there's some apprehensive apprehension in in terms of uh, of navigating and moving in that way. Um, but I've definitely worked towards uh, just exploring. And trying to be as free and fearless as possible, just because uh, I benefit and I grow from that. And so I've been, um, you know, exploring just parks all around anywhere. I just go on the map sometimes and just be like, "Oh, all right, this is over in Burton, Michigan. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go see what that's like." And you know, and, and I'm not there for uh, overnight, but I'll go there and spend hours there, just playing in the dirt. Climbing on tre- trees and, and, and giving my body a space to do some things that it didn't get to do as a child, because um, I didn't really get to be a kid. Um, so now I get to go out and kind of from this childish, childish place, um, enjoy and explore the woods.
0: I I keep feeling different paths to go down, but before we go down too many of them, I want to make sure we come back around and talk about your childhood or lack of. Um, And the year that kind of changed everything for you with the poet laureate ship and everything else. But the big part of the show is to try to demystify just the creative process. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. A lot of people might look at something like, I like to write long form. I I write novels. And I look at poetry and I just feel like, wow, that's so amazing when somebody can so small and succinctly express something so powerful. Um, So I want to try to get into your head a little bit about like, how how do you approach poetry as a person who both appreciates it and writes it let's start with when did you first get into poetry when were you like i really like poetry either reading it or writing it
1: i I tell this story and anybody who's following me they're like yeah we know (laughs) uh but yeah i I learned about poetry in elementary school and it was an opportunity for me to use language as a friend as a family member as somebody Like, you know, I I you I fell in love with words and like just the use of language and expression. And I was kind of obsessed with all the forms that it can take and all the ways that it can tell and that it can make you feel things. And, um, yeah, I was a a small child when I first uh, fell in love with uh, with language and uh, writing short stories. And um, I used to read the dictionary when I didn't have access to uh, to other forms of literature until i got my first library card and i remember walking over to uh the library and renting out or taking out more books than than i could read but it was just like oh you know uh it was almost like this little scarcity complex. Like if I don't get them all, they will be gone. And so I found myself just kind of in love with books and also not having the opportunity to live a lot as a child. I was able to live vicariously through stories and through books and through television. That's
0: interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hadn't thought that perspective before. Okay, so when um, let, let's fast forward it to when you actually start going, you know what? I'm pretty good at this. I'm going to start putting it out in public.
1: You know, I, I don't know that I ever felt like I was pretty good at it. It was just like, <laughs> um, this feels really good to me. Yeah. And um, I guess it was exciting to see people respond to me in a way that let me know that, you know, my expression was important and I believe everyone's is.
0: See, I appreciate your humility, but there must have been a point, even just from reactions where you go, okay, I must be good at this. No, right? you
1: know, you know, uh, I think that... The first, t- okay, what what happened is I was working uh, at a mortgage company doing title work and other stuff like that. And I was working like 16 hour days and my mental health was failing. Mm. And I was unhappy. And uh, the only thing that I could do to find happiness was uh, spend more, mo- more of the money that I was earning on better food <laughs> so i was just ordering more expensive food and that was the way that i was living because i was like literally working 16 hours a day yeah. um i ended up getting uh laid off um and around the time that i got laid off i had started my relationship with the outdoors i'd started uh um my mental health journey i didn't really have a choice because i was my mental health was failing because i was working so much
0: and i was gonna ask you too i have- I've been fired from one job that I actually kind of liked, <laughs> and I don't know if you liked that job or not. But just just getting fired from a job is a very jarring experience. Like it, I don't know. I don't know what it did for you. Did that have any effect on your mental health or your? Outlook? I was
1: actually I was actually relieved that I would have some space to, even if it had just been two weeks, some space to just. Uh, breathe and to like tap into myself yeah. um for for a little while and i did i, I got a, a small severance package back then huh. and you know had a little bit of time to just be like who are you what are you like you know when you're working that much i also you know helped my mom raise my siblings um so i was always on the move constantly in, involved in something and just never really having the time to just like uh commune with my own body my own heart Thoughts, my own heart mm. and then after a little while i started uh, delivering pizza for <laughs> Domino's, and i always talk about this and everyone asks what's your favorite job and i don't look at poetry or teaching or any of the things that i do right now as a job it's just like It's a part of my life and it's a part, it's my life's work and it feels really good to me. And so I honor it in that way. But as far as like uh, receiving a paycheck, I will always say that delivering pizza at Domino's was my favorite, favorite job because it gave me the opportunity while in transit to turn the radio off and kind of just sit with myself. And in the sitting with myself, I was able to remember uh, how I used to formulate language to... Um, speak to, to affirm, to remind myself of things. And so I would literally be in the car driving, coming up with poetry uh, that I can now look back in retrospect that was there to teach me so much about what was coming next for me. It was uh, this, this stuff that I was writing was very revealing. And it didn't seem profound back then. But now that I've like had these jumps and these uh, these leaps towards uh, a life that is rooted and centered in uh, creative creativity and expression and passion and purpose um, i can look back and i'm just like wow you know who my brain was like uh, creating sermon almost mm-hmm. to put push me or to propel me into a space that will honor uh, my energy honor my heart honor my body honor the trauma that i've experienced and give me space to explore how to heal those parts of me and so yeah in the car with the dominoes uh, triangle strapped to the roof <laughs> right. with my uniform on and some you know uh red leather chuck Taylors, i wrote some of my best poetry and i also made you know some pretty good tips and ate you know a lot of carbs
0: <laughs> I worked at a little Caesars when I was in uh when I was in high school and yeah, yeah, I definitely put some weight on working at a pizza place. But I didn't drive though. Um actually ours wasn't a delivery place. It it was a little Caesars that used to be um Chuck E. Cheese, then Little Caesars bought it. Now it's out of business. But they tried to kind of keep that Chuck E cheese feel. Um But yeah. That that I didn't get a lot of time to myself. I just had a lot of time eating pepperoni off the off the bar um so when you actually sit down to write a poem how often i don't know if 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 it's easy to break it up in this kind of way how often do you sit down because you have an idea and you go oh i gotta do this and how often do you sit down and go i'm going to write today let's see what comes
1: it's a it, it's a mix a lot of times because of the way that our uh so I found poetry in elementary school and then I refound poetry in about 2013. Um, and the way that I found it is just by uh reciting and so memorizing things in my brain. Cause I was driving and I could not sit down and right. actually write. And so I think that, that uh that habit has never really gone away. A thought will come to mind, and in that thought it'll be like, hmm. I would like to explore that line. I would like to explore this like segment of st- stuff that's ro- rolling around my head. So Sometimes I sit down with that. Um, but more recently uh, I've just been saying, let's free write and just see what happens. Um, and you know, that came along with me. Uh, first of all, I am a spoken word. I, I am a person who started as a, a uh, with the intention to perform the poetry, like that—that yeah. that is one of the things that I—I I went into it like, oh, uh, I like poetry on the page. That's cool, but the part that I enjoy is uh, the the performance and what that looks like to and making
0: sure the words come out just the way you want them to, right? Yeah,
1: and and that changes because I'm an energetic flowing being that literally a body of water and so you may hear me say a poem one time and it might have a word in it that it doesn't have another time it it may it may show up in this type of tone one way and another time you see me it might not it just it depends on how or you might I'm stop alive.
0: in the middle of a poem to acknowledge the audience yes yeah, yeah
1: yeah yeah so it gives me the freedom to express and explore and connect with the words that i've written in the space that i'm in in the time in which i'm performing it yeah. um so you know that's very important but as a poet who did not learn poetry in the traditional form by way of like learning about old poetic form. Um, I've been here to acknowledge that uh, the way that I express and the way that you express and the way that another person express expresses is uh, it, it's unique to you. Yeah. And so, while it's beautiful to learn about different types of poetic form and to, you know, honor grammar and all of these things, what's most important is for me to honor myself, to honor the expression of my own body, to honor the the history of my heart. Um, to celebrate my spirit and so it's nice to learn about all these different forms and like you know me all, all this all the fancy stuff that comes along with like maybe learning poetry at a university oh you know what I'm saying um, those are cool but there's nothing more beautiful than like hearing someone express from their like heart authentically without concern of 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 any kind of conform constraints um just literally riding your own wave and and that's the way that i connect with with the art form it's just like i'm just here to be myself share my words my expression and cool i can maybe make a nod at the way shakespeare wrote a line but i don't care (laughs) you know and so honoring your own form is um the most beautiful part of
0: art that kind of makes me curious though have you ever tried to write like a like a shakespearean style sonnet or oh, like yeah. where yeah. you're like oh this line has to do this yes
1: yes and you 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 learn those things and you allow them to inspire or impact your personal expression i just realized that i didn't did not pay my meter um
0: <laughs> you need to that's fine.
1: no it's fine we're, we're 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 fine I just wanted to say that and you can keep that as a part of this because I love to be human <laughs> um but yeah no I, I definitely and it's not just him you know uh, I look I'm looking for people who who have lived similar experience I listen to uh, I, I read Audre Lorde and you know um you know Maya Angelou and all these incredible artists and you know uh I listen to hip hop and Jay-Z and Kanye and, you know, I'm listening to poets and they're showing up and manifesting their hearts in different ways. Um, but I respect the way it's honored. You know, uh, Samo or, or Basquiat, uh, when I was a young person, probably about 14, I first I was first introduced to his work and I was like, he just scribbled. And like, I know a child that could do that. And I couldn't understand the complexities of the expression because I was, my brain is attuned to uh, valuing perfect form and like seeing things that, uh, that mimic real life. And there's, I'm like, that's cool. And it does take talent, but there's nothing more beautiful than someone honoring their own expression. And the line doesn't have to be straight. Mm -hmm. The, 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 the face doesn't need to be uh, realistic. It can be. Um, but, but, but people that find comfort in just saying, this is how I draw this. This is how I'm going to say this. I know that you've danced that way. That's cool. But this is my move. You know what I'm saying? And like, that's, that's how I try to honor my own expression is saying, yeah, that's dope that you did that. And now I, onlookers for the rest of time can look on and see how you did it. But if we all did it, like Shakespeare did it, then what are we getting? You know what I'm saying? While the expressions will be cool, it's still within the constraints of someone else's uh, mind, someone else's idea. And so it's like, that's the beautiful part of art when it doesn't come with the need for perfectionism is to say, this is what's coming from me naturally. And, and I would like to honor that. And that's the best part of art for me.
0: That actually kind of makes me think about something that I was just talking about on uh, on my last episode when it comes to education do you feel like at least from your perspective education did you a service or a disservice as a creative writer because i feel like most people they you know school almost tries to turn you into see how this looks that's how you should write you know it, it tries to create everybody into this mold of you know you do this you do this you don't do this and there's really no room for style
1: um I have a lot to say to that but i don't know <laughs> I, I can we take a pause real quick because i don't yeah. think i've turned my yeah. stuff on did you park out here
0: yeah but i parked in the um garage uh, I need to walk it's over two dollars a half hour no problem i'll be here when you get back and we're going okay so Let me see if I can remember the whole thing. Um, Yeah, as far as education and the way that school teaches writing, especially in younger kids, you know, before you get to creative writing classes, it's kind of all everybody should be in one box. This is how you write an essay. You know, you start with this sentence and then you give proofs. And there's not really a whole lot of emphasis on style. It's like, you know, someday you can learn about style, but first you need to learn all the rules.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I've never been one, for following the rules. I also don't know that I was at school much with the uh, ability to actually take in what was being taught just because uh, it did not honor who I am as a person. You know, I am not a sit still, straight laced, uh, follow the rules kind of person. I like to explore. I like self-learning. And so, you know, I don't know how much, I guess school taught me that you don't benefit, I mean, you may benefit from following the rules, um, but you will make history when you break them. And so, you know, all I've been looking for was an opportunity to honor myself in a way that I don't think that uh, going to public school <laughs> on ever honor me. Uh, and so, you know, I think the best thing that I gathered or garnered from that is, like I said, just this intense desire to to always do my own thing. And to, to ride my own wave and to understand that, you know, um I w- may never, never succeed on someone else's metric system or right. value system. Um, uh, but when I create my own and I honor my own heart, then I can I get to create uh I get to create the ceilings, I get to create the flow or of how or you know, of how everything goes. And so, you know, uh yeah, I like to honor me, and school didn't let me do that. But you know, now yeah. as an educator, as someone who's works with young people, it is my uh, passion to uh, make them feel seen, to connect with them, to to amplify uh, the individual uh, individual uh, aspects of their personality, of their creativity, of their being, um, in ways that I don't I don't think the educators were able to do for me in, back in my time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't much of a student myself. And, um, <laughs> the, uh, the other day I interviewed, uh, Vince, the owner of the Irie kitchen, and we were talking about kind of the same stuff. Neither of us were good students. You know, we were just kind of the kid that the teacher would sit in the back and hope wouldn't make too much noise. But you know, there's, there's no one type of creative person. I've talked to people on this show who are like, Oh yeah, it was straight A's. And other people who are like, yeah, I only went to school like two days a week. Where, uh, <laughs> where do you fit in that spectrum? Like, uh, As far as I went
1: went to school all the time, and I was basically there to uh, um, because I had to be able to do the bare minimum, and it never really felt like what I was learning was like super imperative to what I'd see my family experiencing on a day to day basis. Yeah, like you know, a lot of us are forced to grow up really early and to kind of see life from this like different realm and perspective, and I could see clearly that, you know, I was just there filling the space, you know. And I did have some teachers that, that, that lent, to, uh, po- lent positively to my experience and that taught me things. Um, but it was far and few between, enough for me to be like, I can count the instances on one hand and also can acknowledge how starved I was for, uh, you know, anybody that t- took the, uh, not an extra step, but took a step in the direction of trying to, um show me how to i always use the word honor honor myself you know um uh, be good o- word. be okay with uh, who you are erica or who you are kid um be okay with you know the way that you're showing up here and like you know the people who let me know that i was important that i was talented and like saw me beyond uh my ability to memorize something on a test
0: yeah all right so if i if i heard you right you still write, at least you know, first draft, mostly by just saying something in your head or out loud, or do you do you go right to a pen or computer now?
1: Uh, Mostly in my head or out loud or on the back of receipts and uh, napkins, <laughs> um, and you know, it's or you know, I wake up most days at five five a.m. to start my routines, um, and sometimes on the days where I'm too tired to write my routines, I'll you know get a little blanket tent and go under there and with my phone and only me in the glow of the phone there I just like start typing out feelings and emotions sometimes I dream poems and I I wake up as quickly as possible to be able to be like man wow, that was kind of profound um but I don't you know It used to be this thing where it's just like, I want to write a poem for the people. And it's like, no, I want to express myself and I want to put it out. And like when I put it on the page, it becomes a poem. But it really is just a reflection of my own mind, body, spirit, heart. You know, my experiences as I'm experiencing the world around me and and different energies, you know, and because I do spend a lot of time outside, I end up reflecting on what I've learned from sitting amongst the trees or sitting below uh, the clouds in the, in the sky and just like uh, watching a patch of grass grow or a moss grow in the location that I go to over time and just using each of those instances to Teach me a lesson or to learn me something. And, you know, in the learning, uh, it's night what what comes up in my poetry now is just like a reflection of, of of my experiences. And so it used to be this thing where it was just like, I want to write a poem about this. I wanna, I wanna look at this injustice, I wanna look at this thing that happened and write a poem about it. And now it's just like I want to express my heart and there are no rules for that. Um, There's no form for that. Uh, I create the form. I create the rule. I create the lines. I create the line breaks. Um, And there may be some people that say that what I did was wrong, but uh, that's for them.
0: Yeah. (laughs) You have a really healthy attitude just in general when it comes to like not getting too bugged out by how other people might react to you.
1: Yeah, that's that's not my concern. I have so many concerns.
0: But has that been something that's? First of all, I don't become stronger in you as you become more public, or have you always been that person?
1: I kind of always been that person because it's like, uh, you know, what you eat don't what you eat doesn't make me shit. You know what, what? How you you know that that's something that someone you know. My grandma said that all the time when I was growing up. So Whatever you I've never oh, you know, shout out to grant shout, shout out to black grandmas everywhere and <laughs> all these people that come, you know, uh, and, and and teach us all this stuff, but yeah, no, no one is ever going to, uh, it may sting you if you give it space to sting, uh, hearing someone's expression about you, but at the end of the day. The way that people perceive you is literally a reflection of their own heart. And so when I, the way that I perceive most situations is through this peaceful, loving lens. And so I, I'm always able to see beauty. And so that I reflect beauty back to someone who expresses themselves. No matter how imperfect, no matter how wrong, I am not inflamed by someone else's opinion. Yeah. I'm not and if someone becomes inflamed by my opinion then they need to they need to go home and love what arises what's arising inside of them because that doesn't exist for me if you if you listen to a poem of mine and it brings you to discomfort there was already some discomfort inside of you that i have just brought to the surface and it's there for that person to love acknowledge work through and grow from you know uh if there where there is no discomfort there is no change and so you know um if you if a person is upset by uh kid kane's poetry or kid kane's expression or the way that she lives her life is that about me
0: some people might try to make it about you but no
1: and then and they wouldn't catch me because i'm gonna be drinking bee juice in the snowbank yeah. you know what i'm saying You'll be trying to start Twitter gonna... beeps
0: and you'll be having a good time
1: yeah and i don't go to i, I rarely go to comments I, I could care less sometimes there are things that come to me directly and there is a person a part of me that still wants to do the dance of of, of, of argument or debate <laughs> yeah. uh, but the but but the larger part well, of that's me is,
0: that's just a step to anybody's ego right because we get we get caught up in the things that are passionate to us, like for you, poetry. Um, and if somebody has a strong negative reaction to something that we identify with, that kind of like you said, it might sting even if you don't dwell on it. Like we can't help but acknowledge our egos unless we're uh <laughs> under the <laughs> under the influence of something.
1: Um, yeah, you know, I think that so many of us end up in situations where uh we become consumed with the expressions or or the validation of other people Mm. and it's like I can't feed myself with your validation I cannot heal with your validation I cannot do none nothing your opinion your expression it doesn't do it can't do anything and so like uh, I think Uh, neutrality is something that uh has been very very essential in my growth and my ascension is by you know uh pain is fleeting pleasure is fleeting fleeting, happiness is fleeting um excitement is fleeting ever all of these things that we experience it comes and it goes Mm -hmm. it comes and it goes and so if i give uh uh pleasure this like put pleasure on this pedestal and then it goes then where does that leave me it just drops me right down to nothing uh if i am in pain and i say that this is the worst thing i've ever experienced and then it goes if i identify with that then who do i become you know what i'm saying am i just a a collection of um of moments uh of either right or wrong or, or 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 good or bad no i I no longer live within the confines of 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 these like polar opposites um heaven or hell you know i i I grew up christian and Mm. i know that as a black queer person living in the world uh, i'm always missing the mark According to society, and to sin is to miss the mark. And when I was living in a time where I was always feeling like I was missing the mark and not in a space where I was honoring my true expression because I was so afraid of what was gonna go wrong, I was living a miserable life. The moment that I stepped outside of it and said, Heaven or hell, that doesn't make sense to me. I don't like it. I'm gonna stand over here. And when I stepped outside and I stood somewhere else, I was like, Hmm, this is nice i don't really have any I'm, 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 my fear is decreasing i don't have all these things that are like trying to trying to box me in and so i'm also not boxed in by anybody's praise yeah or anybody's uh, uh you well, know that's,
0: disdain that's the that's the flip side of it too right as people say well i don't engage the negative stuff but if you look at the positive stuff that's really the same thing yeah like uh Oh, it was in the. I think. I think it came out of the Bhagavad Gita or some 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 ancient ancient text that said like the more or less. I'm ruining it. I know that the key to happiness is doing something that brings you pure joy with no um with no focus on what's going to come of it.
1: Yeah, you you literally uh, uh, set an intention for something to be so, and then you. You remove yourself from the results. Yeah. You're just like, I'm expecting this to be neutral, at least. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And you
0: can't worry about the praise or the naysayers.
1: No. Cause because if you if you take the praise too much... It'll inflate you to a point where you're very disconnected from yourself.
0: And then you probably don't express yourself either. You start going, oh, well, what will well, get me the like, most praise? Yes. Like this one Instagram post has twice as many likes as my other ones. I'm just going to do posts. It's all like that from
1: now on. Yeah. Yeah. And that means that you're that you're navigating and, and um, using judgment and then also just like seeking a, a external validation from probably a bunch of people that have no clue how to honor themselves. Right. You know, and so it's like when I think about... Um, someone saying something negative to me or negative about me i think about the times where i used to and i still do it the times that i am negative towards myself Mm -hmm. it's so easy for us in society to be so hard on ourselves so it's even easier to understand why a person would be super hard on you. I watch people.
0: Uh, criticize. I still think about things I said said in high school and I go, why did I say that? But I don't think about like the really nice thing I did for somebody last week that yeah. made them almost kind of like get teary. I don't think about that. I think about, Oh, why did I say that? Yeah. You know?
1: It's so easy for us to cling to uh, things that maybe make us feel uncomfortable or made us feel shame or maybe, you know, we can attach to anything, but mm. you know, when, when you are, we are surrounded by a, a, an anxious, depressed, opinionated society. And so to know that um most people are trying to turn off the negative self-talk and the self-deprecating expressions in their own brain um that it would you know it would be uh it would be weird of me to expect anything different. So to put lots of value on another person's expression about what it is that I've done is just not something that I do as a practice because otherwise um I'll be beating myself up all the time or like you said trying to honor what other people find valuable and trying to create things around that and all Erica wants to do all kid wants to do is honor the expression of my own heart of my own body doing saying what's true for me what makes me feel good and if it resonates with another person yes if it makes another person uncomfortable so uncomfortable that they have some things that they go home and sit with yes (laughs) you know what I'm saying like I don't care what you take from me take whatever you take, whatever works. And even if you're taking the worst of it, I hope it helps you.
0: Well, that's something that we talked about the last time. Um, Not on the show, just last time we talked. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Was uh, part of your, well, is challenge privilege. Was that something that you've been saying since before you became poet laureate? Or was that part of your No, no, no.
1: challenge privilege is a snippet from a poem uh, called broken hunger that I wrote about food insecurity. And within that poem, I wrote a broken poem. Um, it was a poem within a poem, and I did it for our prize. It was actually a piece that took me to uh, the top twenty, top five public vote the for first time. First
0: or the second art prize you did? The first one. The first one.
1: Yes, yep, the first one. And in that poem, you know, as I'm going through this breaking poem, one of the lines that stuck out was "challenge privilege." And you know, when we think about privileges, it's, it's very, uh, it's very normal for us to automatically just jump right to whiteness, right? Because we know that uh, uh white supremacy systemic racism and all these things have been uh you know a part of our society so much and that typically uh, we're seeing uh white people benefiting from all the privilege that comes with all these racist systems and all the racial bias and things that happen in our country um but but you know privilege for me is more about acknowledging self enough to see where you stand in the world and when you can see yourself you can see your family and when you can see your family you can see other people and when you can see other people you can acknowledge and empathize with what they've experienced because you shouldn't have to experience what somebody else experienced in order for you to uh, to honor that and to 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 try to do things that can uh, shift and change the tra- trajectory of those other people's experience and so as a black queer woman Um, that grew up poor with a single mother in a city uh, that has barred us from lots of financial opportunities and, uh, you know, quality education and, you know, the list goes on, um, I can still sit here uh, with lots of privilege and to say, you know, um, I'm a woman and I'm a queer woman, and that's more palatable to some people than you know a queer a, a, a queer man or a trans folk or you know whatever. There's just like so many. Li- I'm cisgendered. I'm able-bodied. I have use of my opposable thumbs. I can articulate myself. You know what I'm saying? There's so many levels and layers to privilege, in the areas in which you're oppre- oppressed doesn't necessarily negate you from the areas in which you are privileged. And so having that conversation, yes, I definitely hope it trickles down to whiteness, but white people are not at the center of my scope. So that expression wasn't necessarily for them. Um, But I hope it resonates.
0: Yeah. Well, because when we talked about that the first time around, I think i had asked you, does anybody ever get mad at you when you say challenge privilege? Because, you know, I, I live in the suburbs, I always have, for the most part. um, And, you know, it's just a very, quote, unquote, privileged area, privileged life, whatever you want to say. And I know a lot of people that I just automatically think of like the type of people in my neighborhood that would hear someone say, you should challenge privilege So did and it go, ma- did well, it make- why does, why? <laughs> because just because you're privileged doesn't mean you're a bad person. Did it make you
1: feel uncomfortable when you heard it?
0: No, I wanted to know more, but it didn't make me uncomfortable.
1: Okay. You know, yeah. Cause I always wonder like where those types of questions come from. Is it, is it like,
0: you know? Well, I mean, I, I have been around and know people who I can say are 100% racist and they're the kinds of people that are the ones that say oh you know just because such and such just be oh you, you know if your skin color is a certain thing you think it's entitled to make you a... that 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 that's ignorant you yeah. know what i'm saying and well, that's yeah. just a, that that's a that's a, an expression i not know how much of that you got you know
1: you know because it, anybody that feels like they can they would want to come to me about where i you know i i literally just laid it out i'm black I'm I'm poor. You know, I've been cash poor most of my life. I have ha- lacked lots of access, a- access, and lacked quality education, and not been able to uh, aff- afford uh, continuing education and going into a space that that uh, could could honor and uh, maybe uh, you know propel me to different heights. Um, even in that understanding of all the ways in which I've been oppressed, I can still stand before you and say that I'm a privileged person. If you, if you can't get to that inside of you, that's about you. If you're so oblivious about where you stand in the world and you're so uh, unwilling to acknowledge um, the, the struggles and, and the things that people have faced in a society around you that you know has been rooted on racism, white supremacy and, and, and uh, systemic, you know just systemic racism and and horrible policies Mm -hmm. if you can stand firm that that means you you haven't looked around you haven't learned much you're very ignorant and you're probably in a space to where you're not acknowledging uh the feelings that uh, that are rising you you're probably deeply depressed and struggling in your own world you probably can't connect with your children in your home you're probably lacking the ability to connect with your husband when you don't have the ability to look into the world and see that people deserve uh justice people deserve uh, equity and equality if if you are if you are I got your pennies in a bunch by my expression yeah you got some you got some work to do and your opinion is not an opinion that would ever bring me anywhere because you don't even know you you yeah. don't even know yourself. You don't even know, you what, know,
0: don't even know what you're really upset about, except yeah, that you you've been conditioned if, to be upset.
1: Yeah. You're just, you're just, you're just hearing something that caused you to discomfort and defending uh, a position that is ridiculous to offend because we have the receipts history. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, we have the receipts, look at the, check yeah. the receipts and so if you're unwilling to look at the receipts, then you're going to, you're going to have your panties in a bunch. And you know, um, We're living in a society where young people, uh, we're living in an age of information. And so we have people of all colors and races and and different backgrounds that are uh, able to clearly see things in ways that people from the past have uh, been afraid to see things. And, you know, young people see challenge privilege and they're like, exactly, why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we be doing that? Why wouldn't we be challenging ourselves to... um, acknowledge where we stand in the world and then stepping aside when we when we acknowledge that we've taken Let, up too much That's space.
0: That's the thing is what you said um you know challenging yourself in your own perspectives versus you know the 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 small segment hopefully the very small segment of the population that would instantly see that saying and the person who said it and just get upset like oh is this supposed to be something where the underprivileged are supposed to take down the privileged, but no, it's, it's not about that. You know, when you,
1: when, when you, when you're super familiar with the fact that uh, when you're super familiar with the fact that um, racist policy has reigned and people have been uh, left out of opportunity.
0: So much so that like the major league won't even play the all-star game in, in Georgia. now.
1: You, you know, I don't know what, I don't know what you're talking about, but yeah, you oh, know, cause uh, they've
0: got those, um, um, the racist, uh, voter suppression laws that they they're either passed or tried to pass in Georgia and major league baseball was supposed to have the all-star game in Atlanta. But they were like, yeah, if you, if Georgia wants to roll like that, then we're just going to take this game somewhere else.
1: See, you know, we, we have the power to shift and and move in, in whatever way, (laughs) whatever way we just decide to or desire. But like, you know, if you, if you're looking into the world and you're unable to, 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 If you're looking in the world and and a poet from Grand Rapids, poet laureate of Grand Rapids, Michigan, is causing you such utter discomfort, good. I'm so happy to hear it. Please be uncomfortable when you hear me say challenge privilege, when you hear me talk about gentrification. But also be inspired by the way that I am navigating through this world and, and finding the ways to uh find a silver lining and and to find the beauty and everything and also to give grace to people who are <laughs> ignorant because uh being upset doesn't do anything for my life and so i i let people feel how they want to feel have their own opinions and if it comes ever comes to me direct um then i'll handle it from there but um people can utter whatever they want to utter in, in the world about my expression and hopefully it makes them feel more comfortable to express themselves somewhere somehow some way all
0: right in case people don't know i'm not sure if you've ever said this before but you're a queer black woman i am <laughs> um i taught in a school that was i mean technically it wasn't all black but 98 black and one thing that i noticed when i taught and that was a few years ago too but There wasn't much negative talk about gay women, but gay men, it was like in, in that, at least that part of the community, it was like, that was almost the worst possible offense for a guy was to somebody to say that he was gay, but it didn't, I didn't see heat coming at at the women like that. Does, is that.
1: I don't know that that is uh, specific to, to the black culture. I just just think that it's more palatable because uh, people are able to fetishize two women in a way that they may not necessarily be willing to do with two men or two non-binary
0: football. Yeah, I never really thought about that before. Yeah, because definitely, definitely there are guys who are like, oh, yeah, man, two lesbians. And so now it's
1: cute. It becomes a fantasy. Yeah, And, you know, um, also, you know... It, it, yeah, I think that that's just something that happens across the board, yes. you know, that I don't know that it's anything specific to us. I just think, you know, it's cuter to think about uh, women and and they also minimize, uh, you know, uh, queer uh, femme relationships and, and make it, you know. <sighs> just in this way that you can kind of we're not like hitting each other with pillows and um, wearing uh sexy not negligees but they can <laughs> fantasize about that and make it you know what i'm saying make it whatever it is that they want to make it you know yeah. and so you know um i mean there's nothing wrong with uh fetishizing or uh there is something wrong with that but there's nothing wrong with looking at two men and being like "Ooh," you know I, as a queer woman i do that and, and and i can fantasize about you know what that looks like but i don't think that the rest of society is as is there you know yeah. and so they're not doing that but definitely you know you get a little easier acceptance when you're when you're queer and uh deemed attractive because i know that there are like more masculine presenting women that probably get the same amount of shade that a man would get because they they uh oh
0: because they look butch or or, yeah they air quotes butch
1: yeah they they don't and you know it's really unfortunate that our society has uh basically um gave given clothing and presentation like gender like you know what i'm saying so it's just like oh if a girl or a woman or you know like a, just a female born person has a short haircut or they feel more comfortable in a, a, a loose fitted pant or you know just different clothing um, they immediately assume that there's a lack of femininity present and you know I think a lot
0: of people in high school probably thought my wife was a lesbian because she always had really short hair she would wear like second hand old people's tops and then like those big ass jinko jeans you know what I'm talking about so and then yeah like military boots or something like that so yeah i don't know but to me i saw that and i was like damn (laughs) yeah she doesn't look like all these other girls out here
1: and she shouldn't and and we should all be able to express ourselves uh one a a poet um and i don't know the exact name but a poet uh, her name is amanda zarelli and she used to be in the scene back in the day but she says in a poem you know if uh if 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 I don't know exactly how it goes, but something along the lines i of a man still wearing a a man wearing a barney suit is still a man you know what i'm saying yeah. person wearing a barney suit is still a person, and so like I think that we get so caught up in uh the uh the external component the the art of the the you know when we get dressed that's that's a form of our our own personal expression, and so the fact that you know where you shop at a store can deem you uh more attractive or less attractive or the style that you decide to dress can determine, you know, uh your gender. <laughs> like yeah. people do that. It's like, you know, uh if a man is wearing a dress, he's still a man. He just he's just a man that likes a dress. <laughs> you know what I'm well, saying? Well
0: unless you ask him and he says no, I prefer to be called Yeah, of
1: course that. you honor you honor people's expression and you oh, honor yeah. their no, pronouns pronouns. But, but there that is straight
0: the- up I'm a man and I go by he him. I just really like wearing flowery dresses. And he had like a beard, beard.
1: Exactly. And, and and that's what I'm saying. It's not to say that that doesn't happen where, you know, there are some people who, who have shifted identity or changed, and that's a part of their internal expression. Yeah. Um, you know, because just just as someone could uh, just as a, a, a male born person could wear a dress and decide. Um, I'm a man, and I just like to wear dresses. There can also be a a male-born person that says I don't identify with any gender, and uh, I like to wear dresses and suits. And I can really
0: throws baby boomers for a loop.
1: It really, I don't think it's just baby boomers. I think it it just, I think it just throws so many people for a loop because there's a box that, that that's been created, and if you step outside the box, people just are so uncomfortable that they can't find acceptance in you know how a person chooses to express themselves and that is just wild to me and it is a part of my privilege to say that you know for the most part uh I've been uh in spaces as a queer woman to be very palatable to some and you know that's that's a part of the that's a part of the privilege that I get right now but if I shaved my hair tomorrow and you know uh, take on a new moniker with, a, you know, a different name or something like that. The people that used to, you know, love me and, and find me endearing will may shift because discomfort, and you know, uh, discomfort settles in people when they when they see things that they don't understand.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that probably is a good segue into the elevated love language. And I want to make sure we talk about that. We're getting close to an hour. So, um, well, let's talk about how you became the poet laureate and then lean into the love language. Um, I know from talking to you previously that you were part of the, I don't know if you call it the search committee or the, the, whatever, whatever to, to find the poet laureate.
1: Oh yeah. No, I was just on the poet laureate committee. I was asked by some folks at the Grand Rapids Public Library to be on the committee, uh, it will be four years ago now. Uh, the committee that selected uh, Marcel Fable Price as the poet laureate. So,
0: and that was Grand Rapids' first black poet laureate.
1: That was, yes, that was the first person of color, the first person uh, without a degree, and I believe the youngest person in the history of the poet laureate.
0: Oh, wow, smashing ship. a lot of windows.
1: Yeah, b- busting a lot of windows. So, yeah, he, he broke some glass ceilings, and then uh, and I was able to do that too, being the first uh, black woman, openly queer person. I'm also a person that does does not have a degree and i believe uh you know all of the ones before definitely came from the world of academia professors and such yeah
0: Uh, yeah, which is also
1: very beautiful and something that you know we should honor because you know it's great to have uh you know a city a city laureate you know i'm saying that pushes for the art form but i think something that's different about fable and myself is that we are poets that like to po- be poets and we're poets in the community and poets that build community and that connect with people in ways that uh maybe some of the other poet laureates just just didn't you know they just lived in a different world and literary magazines and and publishing and you know very 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 th- uh, honorable things Um, But I'm in the streets with it, you know what I'm saying? On the streets, and you're a performance poet. We up late, you know, before COVID, up late, out in the bars, performing in bars, and you know, just really, really hungry and thirsty for the opportunity to express ourselves uh, in a way that was uh, that was raw and honest and authentic, and you know that that doesn't necessarily fit in the. within the confines of poetic form and poetic perfection that you know you learn in the world of academia um
0: so yeah you know um let me ask you real quick yeah does being on that board that like selection committee automatically put you in the running for it the next time no or how did how did you go from committee Mm. member to no no
1: no you you know the the selection process is uh, everybody applies you you got to submit your uh, body of work, you know, like oh, what Oh really? I been, didn't know.
0: I didn't know how that all went. Down.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. No, there's an application process where you you know you sent you submit your creative resume, you submit poems, you uh, create a proposal, a cover letter, you know. Proposal all. for like what the you three would do years, with your laureate ship you the, the, the over the three years, and so you know, um, it took me a little while to. Uh, actually i never i'd never sat down and organized my uh art and like the things that i've done and it was kind of mind-blowing it's like whoa you've done some really cool stuff like when you get it on paper yeah you you put it on put put the little portfolio together you know you see it i can see it i know i've experienced it but it was like oh please tell us about the workshops you've done tell us about the places where you perform tell us about you know all this stuff that you've done and you know to put it all to, to compile it all it, it really took my breath away just because i just been moving and also moving in a way where i was just literally excited to be uh, um, creating art and making money being myself that you know i was never like i should document this and so then when i had to it was just like wow yeah so there's a uh There is uh, quite the application that you submit and then um, you have some roundtable interviews and, you know, lots of different things and elements that go into it. And I know it was a little bit different for me just because of COVID. And so I think I I submitted in February of 2020 and then the pandemic happened and I didn't find out till August that I was even in the running. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, it took all the way July or August for me to, like, uh, meet, have my interview with them. And then uh, I found out, I believe, like, uh, late 2020 that I had been accepted as Poet Laureate. But, yeah, no, it doesn't really put you in a run. Everybody goes into a pot with their application. And, you know, um, hopefully the work that you're doing in the community uh, is able to speak for you. And I was going to do all of the beautiful art projects and things that I'm going to do as Poet Laureate before because it's my life's work. Yeah. And so that's something that was beautiful that I fought for when I was selecting Fable. It was just like, do we want somebody that um, will benefit from being Poet Laureate or someone that can actually benefit the laureateship and actually take um, poetry in this art form to places that it hasn't been and, you know, get it in the hands or in the uh, sights or in the, you know. in the the earshot of people who you know only heard poetry in their 11th grade English class right right you know so
0: yeah and only heard the couple of poems that some 80 year olds said was worth being in the textbook yeah with the same kind of mentality I'm trying to remember who it was Francis Bacon one of those guys said that writing poetry that doesn't rhyme is like playing tennis without a net if you playing tennis without a net, you can make up some new rules that nobody ever thought of. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if you get to land on this line, it's two points.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's for sure.
0: So is Elevated Love Language the phase one of your laureateship then, as far as your projects you know,
1: go? Uh, elevated Love Language was a project that I did. It was like the first project, large project that I did uh, as Poet Laureate. And, you know, it, it's just – it was uh, a pivot because we're so used to – as per, me as a performance poet, uh, creating events where people can come and hear us, and now that we are unable to gather, it was like, how can I find ways to share poetry with people when we when they can't come see us? Yeah. Um. And so it's just like, how can we put this language around the city for people to read and become familiar with, uh, just some small expressions, you know? And there's nothing more beautiful than me, I, I, uh, than peace and love, and so to have. Uh, poetic love language uh, centered around matters of the heart uh, scattered across the city for people to read on billboards and uh, pre-existing screens and...
0: and all the poets are LGBTQ or no
1: no 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 okay. no um and not all of them were uh, uh poets for sure i had some um, students um i had some of my poetic peers i have some um of my poetic peers that i work with uh in the nonprofit organization that i work with is the diatribe and then i also had a couple of musicians that make hip-hop and r&b and i honor their words as what it is poetry yeah and gave them space to also be uh seen and so it's like so important for me to just honor expression and say okay we we call it all these different things and it manifests in all these different ways but when you take um Uh, uh, matters from your mind in your heart and you decide to put it on the page uh, you get to determine what you call it whether it's uh, just a sentence or if it's a poem line or if it's a song you know you get to kind of determine what that looks like and so you know as an artist it's important for me to honor the expression of the poetry that I receive or perceive as poetry even if it hasn't been perceived by
0: others as so. I'm curious how involved you are in like the whole process with elevated love language, as far as like selecting what billboards are going to get used, which poems lines are going to go on which billboards, yeah, which I, people I, are going to get incorporated into the project. Because yeah, yeah I'm sure I you picked could all, go all day with people, but only so much space.
1: I the, I had a short time to pick it all, so I just picked the people and had them send me a few different options, and from the options they send, I selected. And then uh you know, I got what billboards I could afford, you know what I'm saying with the budget that I had.
0: Okay, I was gonna say that you could afford or that the budget you were given. I was gonna say hopefully they didn't put that all oh on no you. no no, no you I had a you know you get it you get we'll a pro- you, you get a project money. budget or
1: whatever but yeah, you know uh, whatever I could afford with the amount of money that I had and took whatever available billboards, I was able to still get some really, really great billboard locations for this yeah and um yeah, it's a hive mind mentality that i have it's like how can i not because i could have put all kid cane poetry up everywhere
0: which is what i thought was actually the coolest thing about it is that it's your project but if you were looking at it you you don't see any trace of you anywhere in there right or does it say kid cane somewhere real small yeah, kid almost? cane poetry presents does it okay i was so focused when i was driving by the one on 131 that i just looked at the thing in there yeah and that
1: good because it was about it was about the uh honoring the honoring the expression of the person on the billboard but it was a project that you know that was a a brainchild of mine and me just being like man um we're so used to i hosted an open mic for uh several years i went to open mics all the time and it's so such a regular part of what we do to just get up and say it and so now you know just like as poet laureate and trying to pivot it's just like okay let's do this let's try this and see how it resonates with people and it got really and it's beautiful
0: really... that you brought all those people along with you instead of just being like i could say something about this here and i could say something about this year. yeah
1: and i only do that and yeah. well, there's some... a lot of
0: maturity and security i think in yourself too to be like it doesn't have to be about me let's talk about this person that you don't know
1: yeah and you know that's something that i can also say that the previous poet laureate uh um, inspired me to do which is like
0: uh, bring more awareness to poetry citywide not citywide
1: just- not just individually and also just like uh you know this man cared about getting us paid and making sure that uh people and organization in the city uh didn't take advantage of us and said hey uh stake your state your worth stake your claim
0: yeah, and there's not like some poets union that negotiates yeah, right? you paid this much no crowd. no there's no
1: poet union and he you know what i'm saying and he's also just been a guy that's just like all right um i'm doing this and we're going to bring kid on or we're going to bring Gleason on and you know all these different poets from the city of uh, Grand Rapids he's working to try to give them a platform and I definitely looked and was like I really appreciate that I, I like the way that you you brought me along and so there's a bunch of uh poets and artists that I value in the community that uh maybe haven't had access to the opportunities and you know as a poet laureate that's my my goal is just like Yeah, uh, you guys have been hearing me say poems for so long, so it's like now I get an opportunity to say less and give other people space to express because I have had the privilege... I have had the privilege of of expressing in so many different venues and so many different places, especially here. And now, as I, I as I intend to expand my reach and, and, and perform and share my work uh, in other spaces, uh, I'll I'll open up space for more, more people to be able to uh, enjoy the art of poetry from the poets that are here. Because there's so many, there's so many of them, and there's so many people that don't know that they're poets. And I'm excited to get to the heart of. Uh, of the poet in all of us as poet laureate, because I'm here to be emotional for the city for the next three years I get to be vulnerable out loud and hopefully that inspires other people to do the same because you know life gets better when we we acknowledge our feelings
0: you know I used to do some workshops with uh, middle school aged kids for writing and then um, try to put out some like educational stuff about just like how to write a short story or like get into free writing to find an idea, stuff like that, Mm -hmm. because I've always talked to people who are like, oh, you're a writer. I want to do stuff like that, but I'm no good at that. You know what I mean? Like, or I just don't have the skill or the talent or the, you know, intuition or whatever to tap into it. But if you get somebody to just put a fucking pen in their hand and say, sit down, start writing your feelings, just start writing them. It doesn't even matter if it makes sense. It doesn't matter if you spell, doesn't matter if you get periods in there, you can fix it later.
1: That, but it, or there is no doesn't have to be any fix, and that's what I was talking about earlier. It's just like art is our cre- is it's like it's the our creative currency. We 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 it comes from our body, and society has conditioned us to think that there's a certain way something has to be expressed for it to be good or bad. Right, and it doesn't. It just. And I feel like to- a lot
0: of that comes from. Sorry to interrupt you. I feel like a lot of that school. comes from school because yeah, it, pass or fail. Yeah, and me and Vince were talking about this yesterday. If you're going to succeed at something, you're going to fail more than you're going to succeed. Yes. But in school, what's the worst thing you can do in a class? Fail. fail. The word failure has this connotation to it that's just it dirty r- and it, wrong. It and- rhymes
1: with hell. <laughs> <laughs> Pass or fail, heaven or hell, all these, all these confines, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, it doesn't have to be that. It just has to be honest. It has to be true. It has to be authentic to you. It has to be a part of your uh your life's history right for you to be able to be like this is this is how it can come out in the way you angle your camera lens it can come out in the way you uh you know you write your words it may be just the beauty or the elegance of the way that you put something on paper it may come out through language it may come out through dance it may come out through song whatever it is computers can make the perfect song it can find the perfect tune it can find all this that doesn't mean that that's what we're going to feel something from. Yeah, we're going to feel the cracking in the voice. We're going to feel the mistake. We're going to feel the, the 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 line that that person decided not to have perfect. Yeah, we're going to feel that. We're going to feel the the uh, the inability, the lack of gra- uh, grammar in a poem, the the lack of like. Uh, meter or scale it was just like someone's just saying how they feel yeah. they're just feeling their way through this life and you know there's no way that you can measure out uh, exactly how a bird should fly through the sky they're just doing them you know they're just doing them they're just moving how they want to move and vibrating off their own frequencies and that that's what we need more of that's what we need to give space for because when people can honor themselves and actually get to the heart of the matter they can show up in their fullness and bring their best when you are trying to get someone to uh follow uh values and metrics that have been created that's not a reflection of who they are that's a reflection of who you want them to be and so you know As Poet Laurian and as a creative and as an artist and teaching artist and a a human that that wants to shift the trajectory of of, of where we go in the world. It is uh, it is at the center of my intention to get people as close to home to their own hearts, to their own body as possible. And because that's where that's where the magic happens.
0: Yeah. Well, that's beautiful. Thank you. I think I'm just about done with questions for you. I um, you. That's cool. I, I want to think of more, though, because I don't want to stop talking to you. I'm having fun.
1: <laughs> we can talk in time, though. <laughs> you know, it doesn't have to be just for today. We can talk anytime. There you I'm, go. I'm just hoping that I didn't get a ticket in all of this. I, I never got to actually. It wouldn't accept my payment on Motu.
0: So. Oh, boy. Well,
1: hopefully, hopefully I didn't get a ticket.
0: Maybe you I haven't seen anyone. So. Maybe you can use your Poet Laureate chip to <laughs> go your way out of
1: it. You know, I do have a lot of tickets to your grandma I moved downtown without a parking spot. So if you're listening, if you're listening, if you would like to add some additional perks, additional perks to the poet Ship, because we only get a little small, small uh, stipend. Uh, if you want to, you know. Wave some of those parking tickets, you know, or give us an honorary spot. Yeah.
0: Downtown. I'm challenging the mayor of Grand Rapids to do something they should have done a long time ago and give the poet laureate a sticker that absolves them from any traffic violations or parking violations.
1: That sounds great. Way to use your privilege. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a white man helping me out. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe they, don't ruin, Maybe they don't ruin everything, but most things. <laughs>
0: All right. Um, Tell people before you go, if they're still listening, and I hope they are, thank you if you are, where they can find you online and uh, what else you got going on right now.
1: Absolutely. Uh, My name is Kid Kane. It's spelled K-Y-D-K-A-N-E. You can find me on instagram at kid Set it and everywhere else at kid came poetry facebook instagram twitter youtube you can also find me at kidssetit.com. it.com um and things that are going on i will be teaching a, a summer program with the diatribe inc i will be leading a, a poetry summer program for students seven through twelfth grade it will be inverse in-person sessions and virtual sessions you can find out more about that at the diatribe.org um and yeah if you want your students to hang out with a cool poet you know what i'm saying that's going to value their hearts bodies spirits and allow them to show up in their fullness then this is a good program for them uh we will be doing that at the garfield park neighborhood association and then also on zoom
0: fantastic Kid, thank you for uh, doing this. Thank you for doing you. And um, best of luck with the laureateship and everything that comes after.
1: I appreciate you. Peace and love. Thank you for uh, having me.
0: Thanks to Kid Kane for coming on the show. Check her out. Kid said it. And check me out at ChristopherTalon.com. That's Talon with two L's. ChristopherTalon.com. Thanks, everybody. See you again in two weeks.